You're listening to the Transformative Podcast brought to you by the Research Center for the History of Transformations at the University of Vienna. and welcome to a new episode of the Transformative Podcast with me, Anna Calori. I'm a postdoctoral fellow at Rezet, the Research Center for the History of Transformations at the University of Vienna, where we study economic, social and cultural transformations on a European and global scale. I'm very happy to introduce today's guest, Dora Varga, who is a historian of medicine, science and technology, with an expertise in the history of epidemics, the politics of health and Cold War history. Dora is Professor of History and Medical Humanities at the University of Exeter and at Humboldt University in Berlin. Today we will be talking to Dora about her two exciting new projects, Socialist Medicine, an Alternative Global Health History, and Connecting Three Worlds, which pioneers a new history of global health that incorporates the socialist world during the Cold War and after across Africa, the Americas, Asia, and Europe. Dora, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So could you tell us a bit more about how did you come to the topic and how do you explore it in these projects? Personally, for me, I realized that uh, there was a lot of parts missing in the history that I was trying to explore. There was no secondary literature I could turn to. And whenever I tried to connect what was going on in Hungary and Eastern Europe to global health history, there was this gaping blank uh, parts of this map that I couldn't find the grapple on. This led to increasing conversations around the topic and thinking more broadly about how we could rethink this history to incorporate the socialist world, the socialist networks, socialist medicine, socialist practices. So that is how we got to this point. One of the projects I'm running with Sarah Marks is a <laughs> continuation of our very long conversation. And Edna Suarez-Diaz, who is based at UNAM in Mexico. And we're trying to get a very global view of this. Excellent. Thanks a lot for this great overview on the beginnings of your project. The title, or actually the subtitle, mentions an alternative global health history. Could you explain to us what you mean by that and why is it important to study it today? So current narratives of global health history of how we arrived to this moment are mostly based on colonial history and colonial ties, histories of empire, American histories of global health, so American perspectives and Western European narratives mostly. They tell a particular narrative of how global health became to be. And on top of this comes histories of international organizations, which play the key part in the shaping of the world today. And this, these institutions are mostly seen as kind of playgrounds where the Cold War tensions played out, but do not really consider the socialist world or socialist countries as key contributors, only in very restricted cases. Some of these are the smallpox eradication campaign, which was run in collaboration between the Soviet Union and the US. Of course, Cuban medical internationalism is quite well explored. Again, in the 1978 Alma-Ata declaration of the WHO is often tied to these socialist ideas. However, these conversations have always been on the periphery of historiography, and this all got kind of flattened after 1989 and kind of seen as irrelevant to this history. 
However, if you, you know, really think about it, one third of the world is missing from this narrative. What we're trying to do is incorporate these connections. And this is why the Wellcome Trust funded research is called Connecting Three Worlds. We are trying to connect the so-called first, second and third worlds during the Cold War period and see how those networks, how ideas about socialist health shaped and got integrated into this history. Basically, very crudely put, we want to explore an unwritten part of this uh, history, which we think is important, put it back into the narrative, shake it up and see what comes out. And the reason why this is important is that to understand the challenges that we're facing today and in the pandemic, I think those challenges are very clear to all of us now. We need to understand how we got to this point. We need to understand what kind of models are out there or have been used that might have been forgotten or relegated into the back drawers. And we need to see this history in all of its complexity to be able to move forward. So that is the kind of current relevance of this research, just to see the historical trajectories that lead up to this moment. You mentioned the Cold War. I wanted to ask you, why is the Cold War an important time frame through which it's necessary to study the history of global health? The Cold War period is a very important couple of decades in which the current health structures globally and nationally have been formed. If we think about the United Kingdom, the formation of the NHS, or the formation of the UN and UN agencies like the WHO, the World Health Organization, and we have a huge number of changes through decolonization, so a lot of newly independent states are emerging, looking for ways to organize their healthcare and their state. We have the Eastern Bloc and the kind of Second World emerging at this time. And later on in the later Cold War, we can also see the formation of the current medical marketplace. So the networks that underpin pharmaceutical production and trade and structures for aid programs and development programs. All of these really give the frame of current structures. Of course, a lot of things have happened since then. A lot of, there have been a lot of transformations, but this is basically the basis of a very important processes. Of course, we're understanding the Cold War kind of flexibly. So especially if you look at history through the lens of uh, the history of medicine and health and the history of science, you can see that these watershed moments become perhaps less important than if you approach it through diplomatic history or political history. And this research also expands into the interwar era or before to track ideas and networks and practices and also following the Cold War. Thank you, Dora. My other question is about socialism. What would you say are the defining traits of socialist medicine? In other words, what is socialist about it? That's an excellent question to which we hope to provide a very comprehensive answer at the end of the five years. But, you know, we obviously have thought about this a lot and there is a kind of working category that we're using. Actually, we found Matt Savelli's categorization to be very helpful and we're kind of taking that a bit forward with these projects. So he talks about socialism by design and socialism by default. Socialism by design is practices and ideas about health that are connected to political ideology or priorities in some way. 
We can see this in the NHS, which has its roots in the Socialist Medical Association in England or in practices of social medicine across the world, which are also underpinned by ideas from coming from the left or in state socialist uh, countries that are uh, setting certain priorities in health. Socialist by default is basically any kind of health practice that happens to happen in a state socialist environment. So it may be that it has nothing to do with socialism itself, but socialist structures are creating, either are claiming it as socialist or they're creating networks and frameworks for this research or collaboration or practices to happen. So for instance, maybe there are microbiologists and virologists working across the world together and their work and their idea about what they're doing may not have a distinct socialist taste to it, but their work is facilitated by the networks that is put in place between socialist countries. It's easier for them to travel, it's easier for them to collaborate and so on. And this is also, you know, this can also stand in the way of collaboration when seemingly non-political results are seen as invalid because of the political place where they're happening. And we also added socialist by convenience category, which can be seen in, for instance, Latin American countries or African socialist countries in these fluctuating intermittent socialisms or in countries that are, you know, have no allegiance or no stake in this socialist project. But there are certain solutions in socialist um, health practices that seem to work for their own context. So they're taking that. They're not taking it because of ideology and it's not happening in that political framework. Having said that, there is something that we can claim to be particularly socialist, and that is usually a priority on prevention and preventative health. There is an engagement with the social factors and political and environmental factors of health that is also very close to social medicine as it's understood often in Western contexts. Most importantly, health is really seen as part of the political project, as the part of the revolutionary project, even if it's underfunded, even if it's only at the level of rhetoric, it is a crucial point. And in the Cold War period, it becomes a very crucial point of comparison between the East and West. Thank you, Dora, for this illuminating answer. And I hope at the end of the project, we will read much more about these aspects that you have outlined. So for my final question, I would like to get a little into the legacies and afterlives of socialist medicine and global health. How much do you think these scientific ideas and policies and techniques were actually tied to socialist regimes and therefore how much of it did survive 1989 and the post-socialist transformations that unfolded? That's a very good question and a very important one. One of the things that we can see happening, for instance, if we look at pharmaceutical production, which undergoes a huge change since 1989, this is a very gradual change. Issues related to health and the way that they change brings very gradual change. You have basically state-owned or some kind of state involvement in pharmaceutical production for quite a while, well into the 2000s afterwards. And actually the erosion of the state creates then problems, especially in diseases that are not 
very common anymore. By basing them on um, commercial grounds, this leads to a lack of access to certain pharmaceuticals. But on the whole, what we can definitely see is how certain networks survive and established connections between countries, between certain traditions that then people can build on or just resurrect when needed. So one of the good examples for this is uh, the way that uh, COVID vaccines have been traveling in the world. And if you look at those connections and you follow the vaccines all around the world, you can see that there is a very strong Cold War legacy on who is you know, reaching out to whom and what are these established connections that people are drawing on. So these are some of the ways in which um, these networks are important. But I think what we need to consider and do research on, and I have no answer for this, is in what ways the ideas about health priorities, the ideas about the role and the politics of health that are developed in the Cold War era, how they live on in certain actors, how they live on in the people who are standing in line to be vaccinated and thinking about you know, infection control to the extent that changes or the extent that it still matters, ideas that are being resurrected right now. So this is a, a very interesting moment when uh, the pandemic has made it so clear that a lot of things are not working at all and alternative ideas are being sought. What are people reaching back to? So Alma-Ata becomes, for instance, a crucial point. This is where we need to go back to primary health care, to community medicine, to universal access and so on. All of these which have been part of that conversation. So it's a very difficult question to ask, but there are certainly very visible legacies of this. And others are not necessarily so visible because they have already been integrated into healthcare systems, the global health management and so on that we can see. Dora, thank you so much for joining us. I would love to stay here much, much longer. Good luck with your not one, but two projects. Thank you so much and thank you for the invitation. It was lovely talking to you. See you next time. You have been listening to the Transformative Podcast produced by RedZet in Vienna. Wir sind das Volk! Wir sind das Volk!